Welcome to the Regional Roundup. My name is Jake Foley, also known as JFO MMA Talk. I am an MMA journalist for Overtime Heroics, MMA Island, Combat Press, and Violent Money TV. I am here to give you a weekly recap of the regional MMA scene. Now that you have the background on me, here's how this podcast is going to work. I will be analyzing pro MMA events only for awards. No amateur fights due to the budget issues and inability to find video for international amateur events. If anything blows my mind or needs to be talked about, then I'll bring it up uh, during the highlights of the week. I'm considering the regional scene, any promotion that isn't the UFC, Combate Global, Bellator, One Championship, Risen, and PFL. I understand some international promotions aren't considered regional, but to make it easier, I will count the regional scene as anything not listed 30 seconds ago. These weekly episodes will consist of fighters coming on for interviews, best of the week awards, and quick recaps to make sure you know everything that went down on the regional scene. If you're curious to what events will be discussed about or will be considered for awards, they will always be featured in the bio as well as the events that I wasn't able to find or you know couldn't afford the $30 stream for one event. And uh, it'll all be in the bio so you know exactly what events I'm talking about. So sit back, grab your lighters, and pour up a cold drink because it is time for your regional roundup. We will start off every regional roundup with this week's highlights, which will just be a quick little recap of the major things that I noticed during the week. We will start off with the first event that went down last week. On Wednesday, it was WEF Selection 35 went down in Kazakhstan. I'm going to tell you guys right now, I try so hard to work on these pronunciations for names and stuff, but sometimes I just butcher it, so bear with me. But this event was in Kazakhstan, and... It was absolutely wild. Um, I don't even know really where to start. So the first three events featured one person from Kazakhstan and one person from Uzbekistan. And the event seemed like it was, it, or it was in like this tent. A couple hundred people were in it. And somebody from Uzbekistan won the first three fights instead of the person from Kazakhstan. And the second they would win, it would go quiet. It was the most awkward thing. You had like one guy who seemed like he just wanted to get out of there as soon as possible because he was worried that the fans were going to be so mad he won. Other guys were just celebrating in the silence. It was really quite the sight to be seen. Um, the fans were pissed, obviously, like as I was saying, for the first three fights. And then they started getting fighters from their home country that were winning. And it started to get really loud in there. It was solid fights, but weird vibes and um, a lot of lack of experience, which can lead to some um, like lack of fundamentals. But it also just creates like this unpredictability from you just don't know what these guys are going to do. And 
So the audio was really bad. Every time the fans got crazy, it would break the sound barrier of the whole stream. I'm talking a room full, a full couple hundred of people with no noise after the stoppages. Then to the next one, out is a stoppage for someone they like, and they go crazy. Not just UFC type crazy. They were just going crazy like they were about to throw a parade. It was awkward, but beautiful at the same time. It really represented the idea of highs and lows of MMA. And then, so the fights continue. They start taking corner breaks outside the octagon. This is something that's not completely uncommon on the regional scene, especially internationally. But usually they'll, they'll sit down just in the cage, not on a stool. To walk out of the cage and, you know, walk down those steps kind of seems like a little bit of a hassle, especially if a fighter is somewhat uh, lackadaisical after the round is over and then they have to walk down these stairs and they stumble down them. Anyway, though, the fights had certain mismatches, not due to because of the promoters or the matchmaking, but because of there was just the unexperience. I feel like the, you never knew what you were going to get from these guys and some guys showed out, some guys didn't, and it led to eight straight first round finishes. And then in the main event, they ended off with um, this guy, I forgot how to pronounce his name, Dulitbek Narmatov, and he gets this first round submission, and he holds it for like 20 seconds after the guy taps, and the ref is just screaming and begging, trying to pull him off, keeps holding it, uh, just this deep guillotine. It, I thought the guy was going to go out. It was a crazy scene. All in all... It was not their only event of the weekend, or of the week, I should say, because they also had WEF 44, which was absolutely crazy as well. But I will definitely be tuning in again for one of their events. Next up on the highlights of the week is Bubba's Fight Night. And unfortunately, I actually didn't get to watch the event, but I just have to talk about it because I really wish I did. It's called Bubba's Fight Fight Nights. The venue was Bubba's Sports Grill in Choctaw, Oklahoma. And the picture on Tapology was the fight poster. And basically, it seemed like it was just a, more of a carnival in this big plaza. that had food, drinks, games, and car shows. And I could just imagine whoever Bubba is. I'm just going out on a limb. But I like to think of a KFC type figure but a lot fatter and Bubba's just sitting there he put the ring together himself he's making the food in the sports grill he uh put together some carnival rides he's running the concession stands Bubba just seems like an absolute great guy wish I could have seen Bubba Bubba's fight night didn't happen if it happens in the future might have to go make a trip out to Oklahoma for that one also this week Invicta returned uh, and they made their de debut on Axe TV. Now, I'm kind of confused on how the whole Axe TV thing works because I was trying to figure out, I was ready to add another one of those subscriptions onto my list of 100 of them, but I couldn't exactly figure it out. Um, I'm guessing it's actually like a TV channel maybe, and I just don't have the channel instead of a uh, service. But anyway, the fights were on YouTube, so I was able to enjoy them nonetheless. It was a great return for Invicta. I was really excited because not only do they have two title fights, not only was it their debut on Axe TV, not only was Half Pint Alicia Zapatella uh, returning, but there was just six fights in general. 
that had a different energy to them. The whole event, you could just kind of tell that, you know, the viewers on them seemed on the YouTube stream at least were starting to build up. The new home for them seems like a really good fit. And overall, I really like their show. If you haven't checked it out, please do not listen. Anyone says that women's MMA is not just um, not just as good, if not better, than men's martial arts because these girls are absolute savages. And not to mention that, um, spoiler alert, it wasn't the award winner, but the runner-up for uh, Fight of the Week was actually Alicia Zavatella versus Jessica Delbani because that was a great fight, went to split decision. It really could have gone either way, but once again, Zavatella edges it out. I really wish that either Bellator, UFC, or... Maybe if she wants to go to one championship, I think they have an atom weight division, but I want to see more of these atom weight divisions. These girls are small, so they don't really end up in finishes that often, but they're so fast and so technical, and they never run out of energy, so you can expect that technicality to stay um, throughout the whole fight, When and when you get evenly matched fighters like this one was in a five-round war, it turns out to be such a great fight. The 105 division has so much potential, and not not to uh, hopefully this doesn't come off the wrong way, but just in general, having those shorter girls, I feel like they're just so marketable because they just seem so uh, friendly, if you want to put it that way. But just in general, huge fan of Alicia Zavatella. She pulled it out. The main event was Karina Rodriguez versus Diana Torquiato. And Karina Rodriguez pulled it out in unanimous decision. It was kind of reminded me of uh, when Zhang versus Wally, that fight of the year, happened in the UFC. And the co-main event was just so good that after the Wally Zhang fight, they went to the main event, and it just could not live up to that um, to that hype. I feel like I was on such a adrenaline high from the co-main event that the main event was such a good fight, but just a little slower and. Um, it just uh, overall wasn't as good as the co-main event. But overall, great night of fights. A couple people we saw make their debut. Alice, Alice uh, Pone, I'm once again so sorry for that pronunciation, but she had a really good performance. Uh, can't wait to see her next fight. And overall, I can't wait to watch the next Invicta uh, event in general because they put on such great shows. And finally, the last highlight of the week before we get into the awards that we have. Um, unfortunately, we had another tragic leg break over in National Fighting Championship 3. It's an event that goes down in Germany. It was Travelisi versus Nico Samsonides. And... Samson Samsonides, his leg just completely snapped. Another one of those absolutely awful breaks. I don't know if it's the same as Chris Weidman, where maybe he already had a couple small fractures that the doctors didn't see pre-fight exam, or if it was just based off that impact alone, but it was nasty. Nonetheless, uh, we hope that Samsonides has a quick recovery and congrats to Travelies because he won the interim featherweight championship for NFC, another promotion that's putting on such great fights. All right, so now it's time for the weekly awards. This week we have six awards 
And in the coming weeks, I might add or get rid of some awards. But for right now, we have six. At the end, I will give my list of prospects to watch. Just overall uh, fighters that um, you should look out for. Because at first, I had a best performance of the week. But that was so hard to judge based on the um, importance of the fight and the level of the opponent. And just all, all those different factors. So instead, I just put together a prospect so I can just list them off and guys you should look out for. But award number one, let's get right into it. The first award goes to Fastest Knockout. Obviously, this one and Fastest Submission are the two awards that I don't personally pick myself, but it's just a matter of actual stats. And surprisingly, Fastest Knockout of the Week is going to go to two different people that had a tie. And I will explain once I talk about the second one. But the first one goes to Bailey Schoenfelder, LFA 108. He took on... James Munoz, they were both making their debut. 22nd, Schufelder put him away. That's how you start off your pro debut. Can't wait to see his return. It's one of those bittersweet moments because he got such a fast knockout and it was one of the, it was heavyweight division, so it was powerful and quick, but we didn't get to see enough of uh, Bailey to really find out what he's about moving forward. And so for the other um, fastest knockout, we actually have a tie over in GMC 25. Michael Smolik took on the, the 13 and 25 Adenon Alec. Now Michael was making his pro debut. He previously had a um, kickboxing uh, career where he was pretty successful. Made his transition over to... Uh, mixed martial arts and he put on a show I don't know if it was exactly 19 seconds or 20 seconds because tapology doesn't have it listed but when I was watching it I saw the ref step in at 19 and the clock like he separated them and the clock stopped at 20 so I didn't want to pick one depending on um you know I don't know what the exact results were but I'm going to say they were tied. He came out and he just showed that kickboxing background. That The other dude was just simply not prepared for it. And he had a lot of fights, 13 and 24 coming into this fight. But he was just not ready for this kickboxing. He hit him with one extreme... Uh, Michael hit him with one extremely powerful sidekick. And then it just unloaded a barrage of punches that ended extremely fast. But that is your fastest knockout of the week goes to Michael Smolik and Bailey Schoenfelder. Now moving on to the second award, it is fastest submission. And once again, the international regional MMA scene will not give me a break on these names. The winner for fastest submission comes from Open Fighting Championship 4. It was Volodya Ivezian. He pulled off a Darsh choke in only 17 seconds. It was against Radzhamarad Ibodov. And Ibadov pretty much ran in. As soon as he ran, he rushed in. They were up on the clinch. And, and Volodya just straight up loaded the Darsh choke immediately. Pulled it off in 17 seconds. You expect that sometimes from knockouts because all it takes is one punch. But for a submission, it is wild that he got it done in 17 seconds. Congrats to Ivezian in that incredible Darsh choke. And once again, cannot wait to see what he does in his next fight. 
The third award goes to Best Submission. Now, this is one of those that all the other awards other than the first two are uh, subjective to me. Hit me up on any of my social medias if you think that something else should have won. I'm always interested in hear other people's opinions, but for my opinion, here we go. Best Submission. There came down to two of them, really. The first one was um, in WEF selection, Kumara Beck, a, he was in the prelims and he pulled off a scorpion crunch, which is basically something you don't see on the pro scene at all. You ba you really see it in younger jujitsu levels or, you know, early in amateur scene if someone just gets overwhelmed, but it, he got it done. It was really cool to see when you, when you do get to see a scorpion crunch, but that was the runner up. The winner goes to LFA 108's own Clayton Carpenter. He improved to 4 0 over Nick Clem when he pulled off a 45 second knee bar. And let me tell you, it was almost disgusting. He almost ripped his leg completely out of place. You got to go check it out. Uh, great grappling by Carpenter. That kid has a lot of potential. Moving on, we will now be discussing best knockout. Make sure to check out my social medias, especially Twitter at Regional Roundup, because there was so many great options every week, especially this week. Um, so to save some time, I'll only talk about two or three of them that really stood out to me, and then I'll go with the winner. So one or two that stuck out to me here, Adam Laguna over a Babylon MMA 22. He landed a crisp knee straight to the face of his opponent put the dude out instantly he wasn't out cold but the fight was done right after that knee beautifully done um by laguna another one that was really good was actually karen manukian he was fighting over in spartak challenge 22 and these two guys came out to fight it was um karen versus kelvin Ago Novro, close enough. Anyway, it was only 38 seconds this, this fight lasted. They came out swinging. Manukian uh, landed a couple really nasty hooks. You could see Kelvin buckle a little bit, and then uh, Karen unloaded a whole nother combo, and Kelvin was out on his feet. It's one of those knockouts that's so scary to see because they, they fall literally stiff as a board. They smack their head on the canvas, but beautifully done by Karen. They were both making their pro debuts. That's one of those picture-perfect pro debuts. You can't ask for anything better. Cannot wait to see Karen's next fight because, like I just said, if that's in his pro debut, where can he go from here? <laughs> and... The winner actually goes to Gregory Rodriguez over at LFA 108. I could see some people arguing with this because there were so many good finishes, but this one was more based on the whole moment. When it comes to best KO and best submission, I, I think of all things considered. And Gregory Rodriguez came into this main event fight against Josh Fremd, not completely underrated because 
he was given a good sh uh, a chance to win the fight, but he was being definitely underrated by Josh Frem. Josh Frem was saying in interviews how he was thinking that if I get the knockout here, I'm getting signed to the UFC. I saw a couple articles made about how Josh Frem was going to get signed to the UFC like right after this fight, and nobody was talking about Gregory Rodriguez. And then they come out, Frem was talking a lot of trash. I don't know where exactly it came from, but he was talking a lot of trash, maybe just filled up with emotions, thought it was his moment, his time, and came out, was talking a little bit trash, Gregory stayed calm, and he unloaded a perfect one-two combo, and landed right on the button, just like that Usman knockout over Masvidal in the UFC, just right on the button, completely shook his head, and Fremd went out immediately, uh, and then to put that in perspective, Rodriguez wins the LFA title and then now is signed to make a short notice debut in the UFC. So you're talking about taking someone's spotlight away, making it your own in the best way possible, and then using it to get signed by the UFC. It was just such a big moment and such a big life changer for Gregory Rodriguez that I have to give him knockout of the week. We now have two awards left, and the second-to-last award will go to Fight of the Week. As I told you before, the runner-up is was Alicia Zavatella's split decision um, when it was such a great fight back and forth. I really think the only reason it wouldn't get first is because of damage, and I don't know if it was because they were 105ers, if those girls were just that durable or what, but um, technically it was a great fight, great to watch, but does not get first place. First place for fight of the week is over at LFA 108. Yes, LFA 108 was stealing the show all week. Catherine Paprocki versus Tiana Vale. You guys have got to go see this fight if you haven't seen it. They were both extremely cut after, I think it was like one inning, they were pouring with blood. They continued to go back and forth, non-stop action. These girls were absolutely, absolute warriors. And I really didn't know exactly which way it was going to go. I was definitely leading towards Pap Rocky, but you never know with judges, especially in mixed martial arts, never mind other combat sports. And... um. Tiana Vale, she was putting up a good fight, but Pat Rocky, with a minute left in the fight after going 14 minutes, just completely broke down Tiana Vale and got a rear naked choke sunk in to win the fight. It was one of the best fight. It was the best fight of the week. It was one of the best fights of the year. Honestly, it was one of the best fights I've ever seen. It just goes to show you that you never know with not only fights in general, but just with women's fights, I mean, it was so entertaining to watch. Like I said, if you haven't seen it, you got to get, get that UFC fight pass and watch this fight. So once again, Pap Rocky versus Vale, fight of the week. Might even be fight of the month if I decide to do awards like that, but probably won't. We'll see. And it's time for the last award of the week. It goes to event of the week. 
This week, it was simply a no-doubter. It goes to LFA 108. You're talking about the one that had the quickest knockout, had the best knockout on my awards, the fight of the week, the submission of the week. Oh, and if you want to get um ahead of yourselves before I list off my prospects of the week, there's two or three of them on there, too. Another performance that I haven't talked about yet from this card that stuck out to me was Bryce Meredith, a credentialed wrestler out of Wyoming. He was, I think it was like a three-time All-American, um, just an incredible wrestler overall, and he was making his pro debut against a tough Stephen Merrill. Don't let that record get to you. That guy has a really long story, great fighter, and... And Meredith got dropped. He got absolutely chin-checked by one of the cleanest hooks I've ever seen. It was one of those where I thought this is where the fight was going to be over. My only concern about Meredith, he's training out of the MMA lab, um, credentialed wrestler. The, the, my only concern was that everything was too perfect. And you kind of would see something like in the, when we saw in the UFC, Max Roscoff, I think was... His last name, credential jujitsu guy, but when you get into those deep waters in MMA, it really tests you beyond a way that you could ever imagine. And that's what I wanted to see from Meredith. I really wanted to see this guy get tested in his debut. Got chin check, fights back, and a minute or two later gets a first round ground and pound finish from a completely dominant position that Merrill just simply couldn't even move from. Incredible performance from him. Um, the co-main event, Mark Clamaco in the decision, uh, won a unanimous decision. He's another one of those fights on my prospects to watch. Archie Colgan got a first round arm triangle submission on the prelims. He's on my fighters to watch from top to bottom. This was one of the best fight cards I have ever seen. And kudos to LFA for being able to put on once again, another great show. So now we will end off this episode with a couple of prospects to watch. I just talked about uh, Colgan, Clamaco, and Meredith. Now, a couple other guys to look out for. Bruno Roverso. I think he was in um, the Open Fighting Championship. And yes, that's what it was. And he was, it was a featherweight championship between Alexander Grazin, who is a really good fighter, somebody that was on my radar. And Bruno Reverso, when he came, when I was doing the research, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Not only is is it a Brazilian fighter fighting in one of the most Russian organizations in the world, but this guy had 15 of his 16 wins were finishes, something crazy like that. So I was like, all right, I got to check it out. And Grazin's putting on a wrestling clinic. I mean, dominating. Going into round four, Grazin won all three of the first rounds, maybe even a 10-8 thrown in there. So you're talking about two more rounds go by, Grazin's the featherweight champion. And Reverso, the whole time this is happening, I was just thinking of the millions of people in this world that would have quit when they were being drowned by Grazin. It wasn't just a little lay and pray or, you know, he was just sitting in a comfortable position trying to rack up that control time. No, no, no. Grazin was going for some submissions. He was throwing down powerful punches. He was staying active and just dominating Reverso. So Bruno stayed calm. 
and in the fourth round comes out, loads up, connects Grazin right on the chin, puts him down, and you can see Grazin's a very durable guy with a good chin. I mean, he was hanging on for as long as he could, but there was a slight delay from that big punch, and Bruno just laid it on with a crazy barrage of, a barrage of punches that ended the fight. It, it was a great performance by Reverso. He now has 17 and 5, 26 years old. All these finishes, I think this is a guy you gotta put on the contender series. Only because if you look at some of um, his opponents, they don't have the best records. Nothing that really stands out, but this fight or this win is as legit as they come. So I think he's earned a shot in the UFC, and I think we'll see him there pretty soon. A couple more guys that stood out to me um, Edward Vartanian. He was fighting in the main event over at, um, oh, same event, uh, <laughs> um, the Open Fighting Championship. He was going up against Michelle Silva, who is was twenty two and eight, now twenty two and nine, and this guy is that guy was huge for the lightweight division. I think he was six two or six three, but Vartanian, this guy is such a good fighter. Used to fight in the ACA. Um, now with Open Fighting Championship, just such a good fighter. He has great cardio, great wrestling, good hands, mixes it up well. This is a guy at 29 years old, I think needs to get a chance in the UFC. I don't know, um... Vartanian's full background when it comes to taking short notice fights. I don't know if something that he'd be interested in, but nonetheless, I think this is a guy that needs to be signed by the UFC. If not, you might see him scooped up by Bellator pretty soon or one championship, something, maybe even PFL. But this guy's a really good fighter. 29 years old, still has a lot of years left, pretty much in his prime right now. And he needs to be in the big show um, with some tough, tougher opponents. That's all for this week's regional roundup. Think I got any of the awards wrong or missed something? Leave a message in the comment section or on social media. And if you can change my mind, I will shout you out on the next episode. Follow me everywhere at JFO MMA Talk. Till next time, adios and good night, MMA fans.